Good morning and welcome to episode number 61 of the audio podcast with the boys, Jason and Alex Von Cannell. How are you this morning, Alex? Ben, I have been flat out. Flat chat. So I've had heaps, heaps of leads, heaps of inquiries and what's made it more challenging is I've had basically no internet and no ability to make or take phone calls. So why have you had no internet? Optus is working on the pole here, and they better be putting 6G up in there, because they didn't tell me that they're doing it. There's no notification. There's not even a notification on the Optus website that there's going to be coverage issues. So I check in the morning, go to the computer, log in the Optus thing, see if there's any ongoing maintenance. Mm -hmm. No. No. And you get here and have nothing. Inside the shed, zero. I can get one bar of internet if I walk up the road... I can get one little bar, but the phone calls are sporadic. Awesome. And so how long is that, those works supposed to be going on for? Another five days. <laughs> Sick. So if Over you, a week. If you're looking at trying to buy a car, feel free to uh, direct message Alex on the Auto Bros Facebook page. Uh, if you can't catch him on there, feel free to direct message him or me or the Audio Podcast mm. page, because uh, obviously we need to keep this shit rolling. Yeah. Uh, because you've had you've had a busy week, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So in spite of the challenges, you've actually had quite a busy, successful week. Yeah, but I've had to base myself at cafes, and then I end up having a steak lunch, <laughs> which is eating into the profits. And yeah. Optus is quite happy apparently to uh, reimburse me, but are they going to pay for my steak? Uh, probably not, or or, or the lo- lost deals? lost income, or yeah. So it's uh, look, it's unfortunate, but you just got to keep on plugging. Got to keep on punching. Keep on punching. Speaking of keeping on punching, uh, I wanted to share with you guys this morning um, about my running journey and how it's going. Mm. Because, so I started five weeks ago and I sort of, I kind of want to start with a bit of the background because I've, I've spoken about this on the pod before, but there, we've got some new viewers and, and stuff. So I've been pretty self-indulgent recently about posting up like boomerangs and stuff on Instagram every time I've gone oh, for a run. boomerangs, but yeah, Yeah, everyone hates boomerangs, but uh, because I'm old, I'm going to start using boomerangs now, even though they stopped being cool six years ago. <laughs> yep. So anyway, backstory. In four years ago in 2017, I tore my ACL. Prior to that, I've always been uh, into sports, always played a lot of sports, been very physically active, uh, been very physically capable. And when I tore my ACL in 2017, uh, I then had surgery about a year later in 2018. So full ACL reconstruction, uh, meniscus debridement, they call it, because my meniscus was so shredded on both sides, they had to cut a lot of it off that they couldn't save. And so that was 2018. And literally since then, I've struggled to be able to get back in any sort of sports or anything like that. Because you guys may remember from last year, I mentioned that I was considering trying to do the the half marathon. Mm. And I started training for it and then just broke down because I had too much knee pain. And uh, it was mainly, like the ACL seems fine, but it was mainly the meniscus. It's like, because you don't have the the, bits attached to it. Yeah, because you don't have the padding on on the outsides of your muscles. It was okay for a couple of weeks. I have heaps of padding around my muscles. You're playing to your padding. But... It was okay for a couple of weeks and then it, I just got like knee inflammation and I just had to stop. So in the last 12 months since then, I've done a lot of other weight-bearing exercise and stuff like that. But I feel like it's finally gotten to a point now where I can run pain-free. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's an amazing feeling. Because if I'm, if I'm being honest with myself and you and, and you guys... Uh, when I tore my ACL, a big part of my identity died that day. Mm. And it really affected me over the, the years after that. Mm. Like, 
it, when you go from being very athletic and that's what you love doing to having that taken away from you, it, it messed with my head for a long, long yep. time. Uh, and then the problem was you sort of go through the stages of grief, I guess. And I got to a point where I guess I'd sort of accepted it. And I was like, okay, well, now that's done. And yeah. my prospects of going back into any form of sports is probably over for now. And now I'm going to have a family and things are going to get busy. And, mm. you know, all, all those things that you tell yourself to, to justify where you're at. Uh, but I can tell you right now. So for the last few weeks, I've been doing three runs a week, two three-kilometer runs and one five-kilometer run. And I've been doing my 5Ks on either a Friday or a Saturday. So I did my 5Ks this morning, and I did it easy. Right. I good. did it easy. Five weeks ago, when I, when I did my first 3K run, it was ridiculously difficult. Just being frank. Yes. There's nothing better than seeing and feeling progress. Yeah. And it doesn't take that long. Like, it's just about being consistent. Mm. And so the 3K run, I really like it because it's good sort of interval training because there's actually four large hills. Mm. So you're getting a lot of extra work going uphill. Sure. Then you get a, a little break going downhill. So it's kind of like good interval training. And then the five K's does have some long hills. Uh, they're not as steep and it's a little bit flatter. And honestly, this morning is probably physically the best I've felt in a long time. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's uh, really good. I, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really stoked with it. So the reason why I want to start off by talking about this this morning, obviously we've spoken about some pretty heavy stuff over the last few weeks. Uh, in the meantime, I've been trying to do some things to obviously make myself healthier and happier, mm. uh, because that's what life's all about. Yeah. And honestly, I'm, I'm really, really happy with where I'm at, how I'm going, and it motivates me to continue to do more. I think from next, so next week I'm going to like, I'm trying to be smart with it. I'm trying to, I always get ahead myself. Yep. You know this. So something that you need to know, understand about Jason is that when he gets on these things, he's got like a little bit of an addictive personality. So mm -hmm. he'll take it too far and he'll go to the point of injuring himself. He's done it yep. over and over and over again. So that's going to be your challenge is mentally staying yeah. focused on longevity. That's right. And not just like if you're trying to do, 10Ks tomorrow or something like that. Mm. You need to check yourself before yeah. you wreck yourself. Uh, yeah. And and that is, that's a, that was a learnt behaviour from when I was younger, when I could literally just rock up to do anything and I would just do it and then be fine the next day. And obviously anyone who's been a, a an athlete as a young younger person would know how easy it is to recover mm. and all those things. And I used to play sports six, seven days a week. Mm. And still lift weights and still do all those things. Working at Adventure Park, I was, you know, doing the whole course in like 13 minutes mm. was, is sort of what we got it down to. I've always been a faster runner though. Oh yeah, you fa you're faster for sure. But I've got those like, I'm like the, the sort of like the little engine that could, but I'm like the big chunky engine that, that can and <laughs> just, just keeps going. Chugga, 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 chugga. I finished at the That's gym on me. Tuesday. And then the next session had started and they were doing some like 40 yard sprints and they're mm. timing it. And they're like, oh, are you going to have a go? I'm like, dude, I just finished. I just finished there. Yeah. I'll fall on my face. Yep. Like I'll run, I'll fall on my face, flat mm. on my face. Like you don't, at my age, at 35 years old, you don't just sprint. Yeah. You, you don't just chuck in some sprints at the end of a session that you weren't prepared for beforehand. Correct. Yeah. Correct. yeah. And that, and that is a, that is a big key, obviously with training as you do get older, uh, there's a common misconception that, you know, when you when you age, you should stop training. It's the worst thing that you can yeah. do for a start. So that's one misconception. 
The other thing is that when you when you can like when you are training, that you should be doing the same things that you were doing when you were younger. That that is also mm. not true. Like rest days are really important, mm. uh, but also being mindful of your capabilities is really important as well. And that's one like I if five weeks ago, if I really pushed myself hard, I possibly could have ran the five k's on the first day, and I possibly could have done it without stopping. Sure. Possibly. But I would have been physically sore mm. and I would have hated the experience. Yeah. So I made a considered effort. I was like, 3Ks to me, in my head with my ego, is I'm like, this is bitch ass. Like, I, I should be miles in front of this. Mm. But in my head, like, that, that's still, my head's still the 19-year-old kid, right? Yeah. But now I'm like, you know what? I need to be smart about this. So just 3Ks. And I, I had to stop like three times I think on the first run yeah now I'm doing 5k's I honestly I was running down my street at the end of it and I was like I still got that much more in the tank maybe I should do like another you know I've got that circle yeah and like because I'm sort of at the end of a circle so maybe I should do another lap and I was like no like honestly progress I want to I want to stop now feeling this good and then so I think next week I'll do another three three five and then if I still feel that good afterwards the next week after that I might do Five three five, yeah, and continue that until that starts to feel. It's easy. interesting you said about the your brain. Your brain still thinks you're a younger man. Mm. Something I think where I'm a little bit different is I'm very aware of my uh, ability. Mm-hmm. So when we and this was this was a couple of years ago now, but I was, I was still feeling it. Playing basketball mm. when I came back after not playing for a while. Mm-hmm. And the team that were playing, I actually got criticised a little bit for not going on those those contentious one percent plays, not throwing yeah. my body on. Like, the line. so what you what you mean? You're talking about the fifty fifty balls the 50/50 when there's 50/50. like a ball just out of reach, and there's another an opposition player just out of reach, and you were getting criticised for not going hard in for that ball and potentially smashing into the other person. Yeah, because I knew at that very moment, I could make that calculation very quickly, Mm. that the chances of injury are extremely high. And for a social comp game, when I was working at the time, Mm -hmm. it's not worth... And a lot of those guys were injured all the time. Yeah, and like to to be fair, this is what would have happened. You would have gotten the 50-50 ball... And pass it to one of those guys who would have bricked a three point shot. <laughs> like, yeah. What? But, what is? What is the benefit of that? And and some, I'm very impressed. Like I think the reason why I got to that is because I played with some much older people in the pl- in the past. Yeah. And you can work smarter, mm. not harder. Mm-hmm. I remember playing squash against a guy that is no joke, three hundred kilos. Yeah. Right. He was next. Basketball player, yep. really, really tall, but ma- morbidly obese. Right. Huge. And I thought I was going to tell... Do I know this person? No. Okay. No, this is when I was in Sydney. Right. I thought I was going to towel this guy up. Mm-hmm. But the technique, yeah. one, he just knew exactly where to place it. Mm-hmm. He destroyed me. No amount of athleticism was going to beat technique. Mm-hmm. So that's when you go, okay, well, how do you play smart? And it's all about ball movement. You know, understand that, you know... My my cardio wasn't where some of the other guys' cardio is, so pass it. You yeah. know, in basketball, just pass the ball, mm-hmm. get the ball to move, get do the moving for you. Yeah, uh, you you know, focus on defensive stuff and mm-hmm. um, rely on someone else to be the explosive. Have have an open vision. Like mm. that's something that I think I was always good at at basketball is is seeing when an opportunity is it can can um, uh, open up. Mm-hmm. 
because I know that I can't make the run, mm. but someone else can. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so as long as you can put the ball in the right place, then yeah. the, the team wins. And that technique thing is really interesting because that is also something that I've really focused on this time. Because So the first sport I ever played uh, consistently as a kid was soccer. And I think a lot of soccer players do something similar where your running style, you tend to develop as a heel striker when you, when you play soccer. Yeah. And I think a lot I think of that all running, I think everyone starts running heel striking. Yeah. Okay. And look, when you're a kid and you're light as it doesn't matter, Yeah. you know, and you're bouncy and all your ligaments are really fluid. And, but I think particularly from playing soccer too, cause you're running on grass, so you don't feel real issues but also it's it's because you're being used to sort of if you're running up and then you plant your foot down to kick with the other foot yeah. like oftentimes you're bracing yourself on your yeah. heels and that sort of thing as well so and I, I played soccer for 15 16 years sort of from oh actually I was probably more like 12 years sorry but until I was like 15 16 years old and then that has just sort of carried through into a lot of the other sports that I played and again when you're younger it doesn't really matter then when you get older, you go, obviously, we all know that heel striking is the devil, especially when it comes to running on the road, because yeah. I am road running. And a lot of people go, run on, on the grass, run soft things, and I get it, but I prefer to build my body up to be able to run on the road. It was, if it's not practical. It's, it's not, practical. yeah, that's right. So one thing I've really focused on is changing my gait, mm. my running gait. So I've shortened my steps, mm. uh, and I'm also making sure that every time I land, I'm landing with a bent knee. So all the force actually goes through my muscles catching me rather than into the joint itself. Yeah. And I've I've thought it's a it's a massive difference for me. See, I think I've naturally been a uh, I got off the heel running very early because I used to get as a kid in 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 my teens I got really bad plantar fasciitis, mm. really bad to the point where yeah, I'd I finish that. a basketball game and I'd have to get carried off. Yeah. Because I could not walk, and uh, that's I I then realised that ball or flat mm. um, or just forward or flat has always worked for me mm-hmm. and your speed increases yeah you're a faster runner if yep. you're using that spring motion yeah you know, that's like, right like a kangaroo does mm. but I'm a technique guy so yeah the you know I hold my golf club the right way I hold mm-hmm. the pencil the right way and I always I liken it to if it, there's a reason why there's a correct way to do something yeah it's because it works yeah that's right and who am I to to decide mm-hmm. uh, whether a thing works or or doesn't. Yeah. So Whereas I've always been the opposite. I've always been a in the feel like in the in the, that flow state yeah. sort of guy. Yeah. And so, I mean, perfect example of that is that in basketball, I was back in the day, I was very very good at basketball, but I can't hit a free throw shot to save my life mm. because set shots terrible. But if I was driving through the key with three defenders yeah. doing a fadeaway, swish every time because you're in that sort of flow. Yeah. So it's I never. Process-y. It's a process thing. Yeah. And I never. And it's funny because I think about like my work career. I was so processed, but then in sports I was so the opposite. Yeah. You know. Like well, I'm the same because uh, motorsport. I'm I'm not a uh, I'm a flow race driver. Right. Yeah. Because like we debriefed after the last session, like, oh, what's your braking marker? And I'm like, uh, I change it all yeah. the time. Like I don't have a set. Like a lot of motorsport guys will have like 50 meter board, like yep. five minutes past the 50 meter board. And that's where I, that's where I put the brakes down. Mm-hmm. But you feel like I, I, I'm in that flow state. Yeah. Cause then. my head straight away goes, well, that's, that's indicating that you're going to be going the same speed every single time you hit that braking marker, mm. where, which may not and, be the case. And your tires change, your brakes, yeah. brakes change. And something that I've also matured with. So I played 
golf yesterday mm-hmm. with a young young butt. Young blurb. So a twenty four year old. Mm-hmm. And something that he was impressed by was two times I had lined up my shot and then something didn't feel right and I stepped off it. I and reset. I did that last week with dad for the first time in my golfing career. Yeah. <laughs> I stepped off a shot. And how was your shot? Perfect. Yep. It was the first tee shot on Tambourine Mountain. Yep. And the, I... The most important one. The most important one. And I've still got mental demons about that because that's where I learned to play golf. And obviously anyone who starts playing golf, you're terrible. Everyone's terrible at golf when they first start. Everyone's terrible at golf all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It's, I've known it to be called swing fuck. <laughs> swing fuck. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty accurate. So... But the the first tee shot on the Tamri Mountain Golf Course is a long, straight fairway. And for the life of me, I can never hit the fairway. Yeah. Like, I've, I've always had a very long drive. And oftentimes, I'm hitting them straight, especially at other courses. Yeah, you're but for hit. some reason, I get head-nicked every time I go to Tambo. Yeah. And so I played with Dad last week. Played okay. Haven't played in a while. Um, long game, good. Short game. <laughs> Let, let's just say that I got value for money out of the amount of shots I got to take that day. <laughs> but, yeah, just stepped up, ting, hit, beautifully straight, probably 250 on the fly. Yeah. Like, absolutely perfect tee shot. Best tee shot I've ever hit off that first hole on Tambo. And then my second shot on the fairway, I put straight in the water. <laughs> so what we mean by, so people who aren't golfers, what we mean by stepping off is like, golf is a very process oriented sport mm. and where your, your, where your feet are, where your hands are gripped on the club, mm-hmm. the club angle, where your head is, where your, your angle of your shoulders, the your aim, all those things is part of a process. Yeah. So when you step up to the ball, you need to get all those things in, in a line. And the best way to do that is have a set process of how you do those things. Mm-hmm. So every time you step up to the ball in the same way and treat the ball, uh, treat the, the, the swing at the, the same as yeah. you know you did before. But when something's not right, the younger me would just deal with it yeah. and just hit it. And you often hit it poorly. Yeah, you just swing and hope for the best. Yeah. But the older, wiser me mm-hmm. stepped back off the ball when it didn't feel right and start again. Mm-hmm. So same as like a, you, you said those free throw shots. Mm. That's a perfect example. So you'll see when you if you watch a professional basketball game, mm-hmm. everyone has has their free shot routine. Routine. Yeah. Three bounces, then another two bounces. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, like the squat. Giannis and Tudukumpo's pre free throw routine is waiting longer than the ten seconds that you're allowed to wait, <laughs> and the refs letting him do whatever he's he does. wanting the pressure play. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, te- technique's important, and and I suppose. Uh, the lesson out of it, because we're all about lessons, mm-hmm. is what can you do in your own... Like, what what are things that you do in your own life? I'm that... so glad that you're saying this, because I was literally about to make the same point. Yeah, what are you going... What what can you do to understand what the, the effective process yeah. is? And are there times that you shortcut it and it never works? Yeah. But do you tell yourself, oh, do you, do you let yourself get away with shortcutting it knowing that it's going to fail? Mm. Or are you going to be smart enough to go, wait a minute, how about I just do it properly yep. and do it once? Yeah. So think about this in your daily life. When are there points in time when you need to step off the ball? Just think about that. When when something's about to happen, you know either you're not right, the process isn't right. You know, you can see it, that it's going to end incorrectly. Mm. 
Step off the ball. Step off the ball. So that's, that's, that's your first lesson from today's episode. Yeah. Can I tell you about something I learned about myself? And this is... I feel like this is really dumb, but you t- you tell me if it, if it isn't. I've been frustrated with a lot of service interactions lately. Yep. And I've spoken... I think I spoke about it on a previous podcast. I got belittled at a brewery, like a brewery trying to buy beers because they made me feel like I didn't know what I was talking about because they didn't serve me properly. So yep. I'm, they're done. I'm not shopping with them anymore. Mm-hmm. And then went to the golf club yesterday and the... They've got an amazing selection of beers, and the guy, the barman there, was amazing. Give the best, uh, like the best advice. Can you shout them out? Which golf course was it? St. Lucia Golf Course. Beautiful. Yeah. They don't serve bags of chips, though, which was kind of bad because I teed off at two o'clock and I'm not eating a thing. I just wanted a bag of chips and I didn't sell it. I told you guys it was too late in the day. But their hot chips that we got after, they put parmesan and truffle oil on. (laughs) And it was the best (laughs) chips I've ever had. Wow. Like compliments to the chef at St. Lucia. The best string fries. That uh, hey, that is a that is a classy twist on yeah, yeah, uh, an old an old favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so, an interesting one I found interactions that I have with um, uh, cashiers. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a business owner. I have to keep all my receipts. Yeah. And what I find really interesting is how automated these people have become. Yeah. And the reason why they will be replaced by robots. Mm-hmm. So I'll go and get, let's say I get fuel. Every single time I'll go in and, and I'll swipe it and I'll say, can I get a receipt please? Mm-hmm. And then they go, yeah, no problem. So they acknowledge they want a receipt. <laughs> and then one second later go, would you like a receipt? Yeah. Because it, now I realize in myself, I'm the dumbass. Because I'm expecting them to do it differently mm. when I know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's right. So, so you could just me. you could just wait for them to say, "Would you like a receipt?" and say, "Yes, please." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But here's me going. This like these guys are not listening. They're just yeah. in this flow state. <laughs> well, it's, no, is it flow? It's not even flow. They're in the the stuck in that process state. Yeah. Where they're just going to parrot whatever whatever they need to parrot. Yeah. yeah. But it's me that needed to change. Yeah. I'm the variable because I'm the one who know, who understands the game that's being played. Yeah, yeah. It's just reminded me of uh, I I can't remember if it's still Walmart they're talking about, but that scene in Idiocracy where you've got the greeter standing out the front going, "Welcome to Walmart." I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to Walmart. I love you. <laughs> yeah. That's just what we're turning and, into. And it is definitely it is definitely becoming that. So it's interesting that you say that too, because I I I share your frustration about some of the service interactions that I have had. And I think that a lot of it comes down to having a sales background, knowing that every single time we've dealt with the customers, we need to bring our A game every time. So when we give a certain level of service, you kind of expect that same level Mm. of service elsewhere. And maybe it's unreasonable to expect that from the, you know, the, the young person giving your coffee at the cafe or something like that. But there's, there's some simple things in life like smiling, like saying hello, like, you know, that you can do with literally anyone. And I've been having interactions recently over the last five weeks with my running, which have been remarkably positive, which is very different. It's just the people that you pass in the street. So jogging, like I'm a six foot two large bloke with a mohawk and tattoos jogging in an area that's primarily populated by old people. So you you sort of assume that at face value people are going to be pretty because you're running away from a crime 
Yeah, that's right. Like, that's what it looks like. Uh, so you think that people might be pretty apprehensive with you? I've had nothing but good experiences with people. Because you're getting away from the area faster. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they, he's leaving. Yeah. Um, but no, like, I say good morning to everyone. Ask them how they're going. Uh, oftentimes, they'll make jokes to me or I'll make jokes back. Like, we're literally all trying to make each other yeah, laugh and have a good start to the day. Yeah. And it's so interesting when you when you go, okay, that's what that's what society's supposed to be. Mm. And then obviously you go to the polar opposite uh, basket case, which is the internet, and you see what interactions are like on the internet. And you go, okay, like obviously this is not how people would normally interact if they came into contact with each other in everyday life. Now, you do see some really nice interactions on the internet mm. too. And I feel like I'm starting to see more and more of those. Like there's some really... I think that's an algorithm thing though. Potentially, potentially. Yeah. And, and the way that you can do that is program your algorithm. Yeah, so yeah. So start it, like being positive. Don't yep. engage with the negativity. Yeah, yeah. And you'll see that like on Facebook, especially those suggested mm. uh, comments yep. will be better. Yeah, yeah. You need to be very aware of the algorithm. Mm. But talking about funny uh, internet social reactions compared to... Uh, physical reactions <laughs> talking to your wife yesterday about how she doesn't she goes on Facebook once once mm-hmm. every week or something and then just thumbs up everything and yeah. said, like imagine imagine if you like if that interaction was in real life and someone said oh hey Mandy you're looking really nice today and she just goes <laughs> for people listening we just put our thumbs up yeah which is funny too because she's one of the most social people I've ever met so everyone who knows my wife knows she will be the person who you will have never met her before. You would have rocked up to a party where no one knows you and she will go over, she'll introduce herself, she will drag you kicking and screaming into the group and force you into a conversation. Yeah. So, but it's just funny because her, yeah. Her, 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 but she's socializing in the real world. She's extremely yeah, professional right. in the real world. Yeah. It's funny, I was talking to the uh, girl, the uh, Queensland Transport mm-hmm. and we're talking about video games. And she's like, she doesn't like the first-person shooters because she gets, like, anxiety. Yeah. She likes the character development games. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, I hate the character development games because mm. I'd rather develop my character in real life than mine wheat on real-time <laughs> digitally. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, we had, had a bit of a laugh. But Yeah, nice. See, I actually, I enjoy both games. I like the character development and I like first-person shooters too. I just downloaded a cool game during the week. Mm. Did I talk about this? Beam? No. So there is this, there is, I don't know anything about it, but I was trying to find Lakeside Raceway digitally that I could race on to practice. Okay, yeah, smart. And, I'm a smart guy. And I found there was a modded track. So a guy had made a modded track. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. So what game is it for? And it's one called BeamNG, Beam.Drive. Can't figure it out doesn't have licensed cars so all the cars are mock-ups they're fake yeah. like like Grand Theft Auto yeah right? but what they're known for is the physics engine the physics engine is really really good and the damage modeling okay. so it's actually got all the parts of the car like for example if your car's upside down the oil will drain out of it and then your engine will seize up wow okay uh, parts can fall off the car if you <laughs> damage them and then there, there's a real life effect to it so it's not like old school Sega Rally hitting the wall, doing a triple flip, no. and then hitting the tyres and continuing yeah. on with, no, you, no, with no. your race. And I put the, I downloaded the modded track. Mm. So this is just built by the community. It was free. The mod was free. The game was 35 bucks. Mm-hmm. The mod was free. He has done an amazing job. 
It's got the pit lane. It's got the toilet cubicle is exactly the same as what it is in real life. I was only there really? two weeks ago. And then, and then I, um, you saw your own skid marks in the toilet <laughs> box <laughs> on the simulator. There's a, I reckon the track is 90% right. There's mm-hmm. one thing that looks so the Eastern loop, anyone that knows Lakeside, any nerds out there know Lakeside, the Eastern loop is a, is a long right-hander mm-hmm. and it looks right, but it feels wrong. It's the only thing that feels wrong because it wants okay. to push you really wide, which in reality it doesn't do that. Okay. And I don't know how to fix that, but... Apart from that, I was so impressed. It was so good, except for the fact that it's obviously like a community-driven game, yeah. and the new update bricks my computer every right. fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. But it's there's, it's got some really fun game modes. Like it, it just has all creates all these scenarios. Like you might have to drive an old car across a drawbridge that uh, not a, it's not a drawbridge. What's like a like a oh this is like the, Indiana Jones yeah. Type. Yeah, I know. It's like a like a just an old school rope bridge over a canyon sort of thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is the the video clip that you accidentally sent into the wrong group chat the other day, and everyone was like, "You've just completely screwed up the flow of the conversation <laughs> yeah, and I with this nonsense." <laughs> I was so sweaty playing this game too, and I was having such a ball that I, I didn't know there was like three group chats going on at the same time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I had uh, yeah, I'd spammed it to the. <laughs> not that's not the worst thing to be spammed, I suppose. No, no, that was alright. You, yeah. you could have sent us some other shit for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, but I was I was really really impressed. So yeah, Beam. If if you just want to have, a, and even Tasha's enjoyed the game. Like there's a there's a game mode where you're in a police car and you've got to stop an eighteen wheeler by crashing into it any any way possible and trying right. to interlock into it. It's just a lot of fun. Is that the uh, Victorian police mode? No, no, no. Because that's solving a real crime. <laughs> no, don't do that. Um, speaking of which. One thing that we want to address quickly is uh, YouTube has updated the terms and conditions again. And this is a pretty interesting story. So the, the, so you would have heard us speak about many times, especially over the last six months, because they changed the terms and conditions roughly six months ago and allowed people to talk about lab leak because lab leak was originally a, a no-go subject. Uh, Where you'd get fact-checked as... as... Well, you wouldn't, even, you wouldn't even get fact-checked. You would get your video removed saying it was misinformation. So YouTube has taken the step this week to update their terms and conditions to say that anyone who puts a video up peddling, I won't use the term peddling, but any, any video that talks about uh, potential dangers from any vaccines, not just the COVID vaccines, literally any vaccine or any harmful effects that they could cause will actually be removed from the platform. Mm. And they've already removed many high-profile users of the platform uh, for breaking these terms and conditions, even though they had previously put the videos up before the terms and conditions sure. said you couldn't do it. Made the money off the ad revenue. Yeah. 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 So so okay. why, why, are we, why are we addressing this? Well, for one, it means obviously the content that we're allowed to talk about is now completely different. Mm. So just be mindful of that. Uh Number two, it actually brings up, and I'll be very, very interested to see in the next coming weeks if anyone high profile actually brings this up because we, we've spoken about on the pod before about how uh, these platforms such as YouTube and social networks like Facebook, Instagram, etc., they are all protected from things like defamation lawsuits because of a specific part in the legislation 
which states that they're not a publisher because everything that is put onto these platforms is user-generated content. So therefore, you cannot sue YouTube, for example, for having a video that goes up which might have something defamatory mm. or or some 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 sort of legal issue. You can't sue YouTube because it's user-generated content. And whereas if you saw a news story, for example, on Channel 9 News, which if, if they came out and called someone... Whatever. Whatever. Mm. Uh, that person could actually sue the network for... Uh, publishing a story that was uh, incorrect. Yep. So this is where I'll be interested to see if anyone brings this up, especially a high profile person who goes, if you have come out and said that I'm not going to allow you to publish a story with a certain viewpoint, does that not make you like YouTube a publisher now? It would have, it appears to me that you would be a publisher if you're now picking and choosing what is listed. Yeah. Whereas if it's purely user-generated, you're merely providing a platform in which the users can broadcast. That's right. And and we've spoken about this many times before, but just to rehash it, because we have had some new some new viewers thank come you. on. And thanks for joining us. Uh, please subscribe, please like, please share, and please comment too, because comments obviously help with the algorithm a lot. But... Uh, what it, what is interesting is, and what we've spoken about before, is that censoring any sort of debate is not helpful because good ideas will always eventually trump bad ideas. Mm. And the reality is that we should be able to discuss all ideas, and yet there will be some people who believe bad ideas. But the majority will probably end up believing the good ideas as long as the discussion's able to be held in a public forum mm. where a lot of people meet, greet, talk about it and discuss things. And where things get slippery and difficult is when you have a tech company trying to decide what is, for example, medical misinformation. So... Or, or even, even even many other matters. It could be human rights matters or, or whatever. It's anything. It, it could it literally really be anything. anything. There, there is actually no space for censorship. And if yeah. you think about any any think about any time in the past, when has censorship ever done any yeah. good? Yeah, and we, we spoke about that obviously last week as well because you know we're already experiencing censorship in our country on our mainstream media in regards to the... Uh, conduct of police, particularly in Victoria, mm. around the protests. And what is interesting, I was literally just telling you about this before we started the show, was I just watched a really interesting clip uh, last night from a news uh, program out of the UK, which was talking about the police brutality that was happening in Victoria. Mm. And they showed all of the clips. Mm. And you go, well... The is, clips that you won't see here. Yeah, so isn't it interesting that you have to go internationally to see news stories about your own country that we're not even seeing over here? Yeah. And you made the point, like, which other countries do you need to do that? China? North Korea? Like, those guys don't see the bad stories that we yeah. see about their countries. Yeah. And we're all real quick to point the finger going, oh, that's a bad country. They can't believe they're doing those things. Yeah. We're literally in the same boat it, today. It, it never leads to good outcomes. No, it doesn't. Censorship never leads to good outcomes. Yeah, and and again, I, I just want to reiterate, 100% pro-police. Our mother has worked for the police force for 26 years. Like 28, I think. Something, somewhere, there or thereabouts. I'm betting it's 26. Uh, but 
so 100% pro-police. There are some bad eggs who have done some bad things, which is the same case in any group of people. Sure. There'll be some bad eggs. Absolutely. In the protesters, there's been some bad eggs. Like There are bad eggs everywhere, and they're the minority. Yep. Most people are very, very good people. If you watch the news, you'd think they are the majority, because that's what they, they show the yeah. same three clips over and over and over. Yeah, again. and I actually saw this explained so well on a Friendly Geordies clip I watched the other day from like a year ago. Mm. So uh, Friendly Geordies we mentioned on the pod before, but he, he, he's, he put it perfectly for me. He said what the media does... So people's assumption of the media, and particularly the news media in Australia and worldwide, the assumption is they're there to tell us the news. But they're not. What the media's function actually is, is a magnifying glass. So if you've got the tapestry of the news, which is this big, and for those of you just audio listeners, I'm making a big square with my hands, or rectangle. rectangle. So if you have a tapestry that is this big, a news program would show you the whole tapestry. But what the news media in Australia does is magnifies one small part of the tapestry and draws our attention to that particular part. Mm. And generally, that is because it is a commercial benefit to someone for us to only focus on that bit and not see the whole picture and be able to make a decision for ourselves. It's not news. It's market. It's marketing. It's advertised-driven yeah. content. Yeah, I. Uh, so which means you need to get eyes on, and so that's you right. do whatever you need to do to get eyes on. Yeah, it's not. It's. It is not news, it's entertainment. Yeah, and that's why, you know, they use all of the inflammatory words that get people riled up because people tune in and they go, you know, it's funny. Like, that's why the cash cow pays you 50 grand to watch. Yeah, 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 yeah 100%. Because it, 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 like, that is a fraction of what they're earning from that one show that you've watched that day. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting too when people even argue about mainstream media channels in Australia and they're like, oh, like, you know, ABC News, oh, sorry, not ABC News, they're a government broadcast, but they might be going like, oh, Channel 9, they're the only ones that I trust. And then other people go, oh, no, Sky News, they're the only ones that I trust. And they're like, oh, Sky News, you're like right wing, and blah, 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 blah. And it's Channel 9 and Sky News are all owned by Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. They're, they're the same machine. They're just servicing two different client bases. Well, that, so that's an interesting thing that you just mentioned there, which happens a lot. And I, I, it came up in golf a couple of times, and I've noticed it in conversation a lot. And a great technique is to, let's say when you're trying to push an agenda, mm. a great way to get move focus to your agenda is to create a divide within that one specific agenda. Okay. So instead of debating whether that agenda is the right thing or not, let's argue about two parts of that agenda. Yeah, that's right. So now we're debating. Now we're in that agenda. We're yep. there. Mm-hmm. And now we're debating on different points within that agenda. Mm. But the whole, like, like, those two, the whole argument is moot. We yeah. shouldn't be having that argument. That's we right. Be debating whether and that's right. the magnifying glass effect. Absolutely. Because the magnifying glass just draws our attention to this one bit when mm. there is a whole host of issues happening around which we, we're not even being being exposed to. One of those... It's, ma- a, it's a sales technique. So so in yeah. in car sales, one of the ideas... One of the things... There's a control mechanism that you use. And if it starts, if this conversation starts to go off track, it's up to the salesperson to drop, to bring it back in, to focus back mm. on the thing that's at hand, which is the deal. Yes. And, and so when, when someone will start to talk about something else, you, it's about how you can now get that conversation and then somehow loop it back in yeah. to the car argument. Yeah, and typically uh, the person who is asking questions is the one who's in control of the conversation. Yeah. And what you need to consider when it comes to news media is news media tell us the questions that we're allowed to ask yeah. 
and they avoid the questions that you're not allowed to ask. Well, you won't even see the questions. And, and that's what's so surprising when they go, oh, all the scientists on TV said, yeah, because you picked those scientists. That's right. If I pick everyone that I want to speak to, yeah. I can get the exact result that I want. Yeah. You know? And if think, I pay them. Do you think they're going to say, do you think they're going to, the, the booker is going to ring up and someone goes, oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be completely anti what you guys say. They're yeah. just going to go, oh, thank you. Yeah, Bye. thank you. Uh, but just hold on the phone for six months later when we need you because yeah, this yeah. story is starting to lose its sizzle and we need someone to ramp back up again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's such a good point. And I guess like, again, learning experiences we want to get out of this. Watch, watch the mainstream news. If you want to, but don't expect it to tell you the hundred percent truth. Watch the independent news guys, like the you know rebel news guys, uh, the, which are global. The people on the ground, yeah, and the you know real Rookshan and stuff. What is really interesting, the real Rookshan, he shared a video on his uh, social media during the week because he was mentioned on ABC Media Watch. Mm. Now, don't you love this? So ABC has their own show called Media Watch where they will correct anything they've seen in the media that they think that you shouldn't know about. or, yeah. or And by, by correct, I mean they, they will correct it back to their narrative, whatever they want yeah. that narrative to be. And I found it fascinating because obviously... So the real Rookshan, he only started 12 months ago yeah. because he was running a wedding business with the lockdowns because he's in Melbourne. Everything got shut down. So he started doing independent journalism. Yeah. The Media Watch guys were saying that Rukshan was giving a biased <laughs> and not a clear overall picture of what was really happening during the riots. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to use the term protesters. They said riots. But during the protests in Melbourne. And what is fascinating to me by this, about this, is Rukshan was one of the independent journalists who went live for hours. I think one of his streams was seven hours long. Yeah, hours of the day during these protests. So the criticism was he was showing a biased view of what was going on. I don't know how you can be accused of showing a biased view when you've shown a seven-hour uninterrupted feed of what is happening, unedited, and then when you compare that to a normal news story that you'll see on the ABC, where you'll have... The same three clips? Yep, you'll have the same three clips that have been picked out, painting whatever narrative they want to paint, interspersed between experts they bring on to ask their opinions on what (laughs) happened. Like, it was was fascinating. And uh, something we... This will circle back to something we've spoken about here ages and ages ago. It's the mainstream media's fault that these individuals have come out. Because yes. people aren't buying what they're selling. That's right. So they're looking for alternative media sources. Mm-hmm. And now, and, and, and this this was my this is my view because I think that ad-based model is dead, yeah. right? There is massive opportunities for independent media mm-hmm. to be able to give you the real story. And yeah. that is a perfect example of that. Yeah. A seven-hour stream where you can log in any time of the day and mm-hmm. scan through whenever you want. Yeah is going to give you a far better understanding of what's happening on the ground mm. than, than the, the cut-up 10-second right. bit. So to, so to, to give you uh, my understanding of what happened on day one of the construction worker protest, because I watched some of Rukshan's stuff on the day, the reason why I was even put onto him in the first place was because of Saturday's protest that obviously went pear-shaped, and I saw what was reported on media, I saw what was reported on Rukshan's page, 
And then he had a live feed on the Monday when the construction worker protest kicked off about the mandates. So I watched it and I was jumping in and out of his feed every half hour or so. Mm. And the first six odd hours of it was literally just the construction workers walking the streets. Yep. Uh, they were protesting. So they were, yep, there was some chants that were being sa- said. Yep. There was no property damage. There was no aggro. It actually looked like a whole bunch of people who were just happy to be out marching together and felt like they were connected. Yep. And then what seemed to happen, because obviously they converged on the, the CFMEU uh, headquarters. union headquarters, and they were out the front. They were you know doing their chanting and stuff like that. And there was a few things that happened during the day. Uh, they were getting a bit restless because they were forced to wait for a long period of time. Then they got to a period where the CFMEU guys allowed one of them to go inside and speak to them, mm-hmm. who then came back out and said, guys, uh, if you, uh, like, please just give them more time. They're honestly, they're trying to help you. What they're doing is they're trying to get on the phone to the government now and get an answer for you. Give them another hour. Yeah. So they gave them another hour and a half. Then they started getting restless. And then what really teed off, someone heard that John Setka, who was the, the union boss, was on the radio rubbishing the protesters going, I don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what they're whinging about. That's when things kicked off and all the bottles started being thrown at the front of the window. Yeah. Then you turn on the news that night. The first clip that you showed is union members, the construction workers, throwing the bottles at the front of the window. Yeah. It had been seven hours or something yeah. at this point. Before it got to that yeah. stage. Uh, if Ruk- Rukshan's footage then continued to show, at one point, the union boss and the workers burst, or the union um, officials burst out of their, uh, their no, front door and start swinging punches at the union members yeah. because the police had just started showing up. Yeah. Now, again, everyone already knows the police sort of left them alone for the majority of the day, which is very different to what happened on Saturday. But... Then, so they've burst out, started attacking people. So then again, you, you go back to the mainstream media. What did they report that night? They had John Setka on mm. talking about how, oh, they weren't even construction workers. They were, the, the, the group right-wing was extremists. right-wing neo-Nazi extremists. Yeah. Like, it, it, was, it, was, it was almost comical in its... Ridiculousness. Ridiculousness. Yeah. So and, what, and the issue is, though, that there are, there are certain members of the community who that is the only thing mm-hmm. that they'll see, and therefore they believe it. And also, I've had a lot of conversations in the last couple of weeks, and there is one thing that I'm 100% convinced of. We are in a, a position where a lot of people think that the people who don't believe their viewpoint are dumb. Yeah. That is not the case. Yeah. Every single person is actually very intelligent. But they are making a considered intelligent decision based off the data they have received. And we are all receiving very different data. And if you watch only the mainstream news, you are only getting their data. So I would suggest watch them. See what they're saying. Watch the independent guys. See what they're saying. Balance it out. And instead of wanting to fight with each other over it, if, if someone doesn't agree with you, how about just have a debate or a conversation or like a respectful debate going, hey, these are my opinions on these things. Can you explain to me why you disagree mm. with them? Have and then dialogue. they'll go, hey, this is why I disagree with you. And you know what? You both might learn something out of it. Can I say the most disgusting thing that I've seen in this whole thing is the nurse strike. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And the mainstream reporting of that. They, they this is how this is how disgusting that. So can, the so-called yeah. Can we can you start off by because a lot of people may not have even seen it. So there were 
healthcare workers that did a silent, socially distant protest in the middle of a park where they just sat with signs mm-hmm. and talking masks about on. masks on, talking about mandates. Yep. And it, it does not get more peaceful than that. No. Busloads of riot police mm-hmm. pulled up and circled primarily women. Yeah, I'd say primarily women. Circled them. There would have been three to one, easily yeah. three to one police to mm-hmm. uh, to protesters. Yeah. Circled them and ended up getting them to move on. Yeah. The media that night kept saying, and they, they wanted to say, like, you introduced the subject over and over again to try and enforce it, yeah. right, in your language. Yeah. They kept calling them so-called healthcare workers. That's right. So-called healthcare workers. Yeah. Because the more times you say so-called healthcare workers, the more doubt you put that they actually are That's right. Healthcare and workers. then next thing you know, uh, mum and dad down at the barbecue are going, oh, do you see that protest that happened down in Melbourne? Oh, yeah, those so-called healthcare workers. Yeah. Because it just sticks in your brain. They've just planted that That's right. idea. They are healthcare workers. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and when you watch the interviews of them, like the, the main lady that they interviewed, mm. she is vaccinated. She yeah. said she's vaccinated, but she was saying... We are but 100% believers in pro-choice. Mm. And what is and what is happening in regards to this is not constitutional. It's not based on health anymore. It seems to be based on something else. Mm. And their protest, it, it, I mean, it was literally the most peaceful way that you could have done that. Yeah. Like you said, they, were, they had masks on. They were silent. They were sitting down in a park. They were socially distanced. Like, they were set out like a grid. The police that were in the uh, coach. Yeah. Would could is impossible that's, for them to that's have been, right um, socially distant. Yeah, but then, they're sitting down though, and we know that COVID doesn't spread when you see. Yeah, down. of course. Uh, but but then you juxtapose that with the uh, film of the uh, Melbourne Demons supporters celebrating the Melbourne Demons AFL Grand Final victory the on the day. weekend too. Was it the same day? Yeah. So you have people in Melbourne Demons shirts walking through the city in large groups, no social distancing, a lot of them not wearing masks, mm. and no police. No police to be seen. Yeah. Because they're, support, they're, they're, they're just celebrating that, that Melbourne won. Yeah. So what is the point of us even discussing this? Is it appears the only offence that... Uh, can be committed in, that can be committed in Victoria. ...is speaking against the government. Yeah. Because that's what all of the all this comes yeah. down to. Whenever you see police overreach in the powers they're using to quell a protest, it's because it's protesting against the government. Whereas Black Lives Matter last year, many people have made the point, largely peaceful protests, no interference from police. They facilitated a peaceful protest. Which is what they're supposed to do. Which is what they're supposed to do in a democratic society. But as soon as you want to protest against what the government's saying, mm. it's, that's an offence now. And name name a time that that's worked in history. Name yeah. a time where where the the government has thought better than the people. So, uh, do you want to hear something pretty disgusting? And this was I, I can't remember which journalist, which independent journalist it was that picked this up. But the the police actually have a playbook now that they're using to get the result that they want because most of the journalists that they're arresting. Are like none of these charges ever stick. If you challenge them in court, they'll just throw yeah. it out and right. So this is what is happening instead. And the re- this actually got picked up by an independent journalist who has a three hundred and sixty degree camera as well as his normal camera, 
which he covered up when he got arrested, but didn't turn it off and there's no light on it. So the police that were taking him in thought that it was no longer recording. And what it appears that certain, not all, certain police officers are doing to sort of circumvent the rules is if you bring these people in on these charges that they know are going to get thrown out of court anyway, you can also offer them bail. So if you pay the bail, as anyone who's been on bail knows, bail comes with conditions. Mm. So then, in the bail oh. conditions, they write, you're not allowed to show up at any protests. Yeah, it can't be in the air- this that's area. That's right. So then... You don't if, have access to the internet. And that's like right. That. So then if they show up to a protest and try to do their jobs as independent journalists, they've broken their bail conditions and you can arrest them and lock them up. Wow, interesting. And he caught that on camera. Disgusting. Yeah. Absolutely disgusting. And again, not anti-police. These are bad eggs and bad operators and bad actors doing well, bad things. It's a bad directive. That is a directive coming from up high. People on the ground do not maybe, make that decision. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that it is. I'm not going to accuse anyone of something that I can't uh, back up. But I am going to say... But what I'm telling you for a fact, that there is not large groups of these police. It's not their decision to yeah. do what they're doing. They are ordered to mm. do those things. Therefore, you can't blame any of those people. Yeah. It, it is their bosses that, yeah. that we need to hold accountable. And, and you used the uh, the example before of like in sales, we, we generally have a sales process that we follow. And when when a certain part of the, of the process comes up, we go, okay, this is what we're going to do in this particular process. I guess this could just be a process that they have formulated to get mm. the result that they're looking for. Let's talk about something a bit happening. Yeah, let's lighten it up a little bit. So, Mr. That, Cox. Nice. Mr. Cox. So this is something that I don't know anything about. So if you're at this stage on YouTube and you don't know who Mr. Gox is, put a little exclamation mark or something in the uh, in the uh, comments. Mr. Gox is a trading, crypto trading oh. genius. Yeah, <laughs> I know this. Mr. Gox has out-traded the S&P 500 by 28%, making him one of the best traders in the world. I Mr. Think... Gox is also a hamster. <laughs> and this may sound ridiculous. Mr. Gox is a hamster and someone has rigged him up a little office, right? Yeah. Flexible working hours, which I think is the key to his success. And he can walk in and do various activities. And he's also got a button to buy and a button to sell. <laughs> Crypto. He's getting a 28% return. Unbelievable. And just, just to paint a bit of a picture. In the US... Only 1%, only 1% of managed share funds make enough profit to pay their own fees. Mr. Gox got 28%. A 28% return. Wow. Mr. Gox, I'll, I'll say that again just in case you missed it. Mr. Gox is a hamster. It's a hamster. And do you know where the name Gox came from? No. Mount Gox was the first crypto exchange in Japan. fell over. The guy, the guy right. that done for uh, money laundering when... Or, uh, when it really yeah okay yeah, Mr. Gox the wow up. Mr. Gox must be the the closest person to the first place trader in the United is he out of America I actually don't know where he, uh, where, where it's from because the highest performing trader in the United States is Nancy Pelosi's husband yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's <laughs> yeah, Nancy true. Pelosi's husband and then Mr. Gox and then the hedge funds and the rest of us who are getting booted off Robin Hood. So, yeah, so if anyone, if anyone's got a uh, unused hamster, yeah. start getting them training. Yeah, so that that could be your uh, investment tip for the day, which is uh, don't know what you're doing. 
buy a hamster. It, <laughs> I just, it's, it's, so so, it's so funny because it's so ridiculous, but it's a true story. I, when, you, when you said before, like, do you know about Mr. Gox? I knew about the story. I didn't know that his, his name, name was? was Mr. Gox. You need to know what his name was. Mr. Wow. Gox. Remember the name. That is so funny. And I think we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, okay. Let's leave it at that. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, oh, actually, do you know if Mr. Gox has any children? Like, could this, this could be like a... Uh, you know how, like, racehorses, like the good performing racehorses get sent to stud farms and then create better racehorses and everyone pays over for them? This is what you need to find out. You need to find out if Mr. Gox has got offspring and that is what you need to purchase because it's in the genes. Or... Or it's innate in hamsters to trade crypto well. Yeah, so let's let's find out. So try to get a Mr. Gox offspring hamster or a regular hamster <laughs> and and see how the trading goes. Flexible working else was the key apparently. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, guys, let's leave it there. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next RDA. Bye. <laughs>